communicate candidly, work collaboratively, and interact compassionately. Be transparent, be authentic, be candid, because when they experience that, they're going to stay longer, they're going to give more, they're going to be healthier in the process. Hey, good day and welcome to the Leading with Nice interview series podcast. We want to help you inspire others, build loyalty, and get results. My name is Matthew Ewell, and I am super excited to have you here and for today's guest. So whether you're listening at home or in your car, uh, you're going to really enjoy this one. And if you're listening in your car, my question is, where are you going? Can you take me with you? I, I just want to get out. We're recording this just at the coldest time of January. I'm quite envious you have a place to go and somewhere to be. Today on our show, we have Allison Alley, who is the president and CEO at Compassion Canada. If you don't know what that is, Allison will share a bit about what they do. And there's a reason I wanted to have Allison on. It was actually an inspiration from my mom. So Pat, you will shout out to you, hashtag moms, I guess. And um, so... Compassion Canada offers a number of things. One of the things they do is they enable you to help sponsor a child, and I'll I'll describe more of that. But my mother and our family, we we do that. And we got an email from Compassion. It included a link to a blog Allison had written. Do you know when you read something and you're just like, oh, yeah, like like this is me, like I get this. So I wanted to have her on and just dig a bit deeper into some of the heart behind that. So, Allison, welcome to the podcast today. It is great uh, to be with you, Matthew. And thank you, Matthew's mom, for really inviting me here. (laughs) I appreciate that. You know, it's funny. um, She's a good connector that way. She sees things that people think they'd be interested in. So can you just tell us a bit about Compassion Canada, what it is, what you do? Somebody at home will be listening to you and be like, oh, I I want that. So just right off the start, like how can people connect with the organization? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, you bet. So Compassion is a global child development organization that exists to end poverty in the lives of kids and their families. And so uh, we're not a new organization. We've been around since the 1950s, and we work in 25 low-income economies and serve over 2 million children. And so our partner is one that we partner with local churches and local communities uh, who develop kids' holistically. So we help them care for their whole self so that these changed kids can in turn change their communities. And through uh, this COVID reality specifically, uh, we're dealing with all kinds of secondary impacts of that uh, hunger and uh, and disease and, and hygiene needs. And so in this season, we're spending a lot of time caring for families. And overnight then, uh, the numbers of people that we care for uh, change from 2 million kids to about 6 million people now that we're caring for their whole family. Uh, so I lead our efforts here in Canada, and we had 12 other countries that work to raise awareness and raise resources so people can get involved in saving lives and transforming uh, families and communities. And the post that I'll be referencing, and it's in the show notes, if you are on the uh, Leading with Nice email list, which if you're not, you can get to it at leadingwithnice.com and sign up for the newsletter. And the blog post was titled, 12 Things I've Learned in the Last 12 Months. So we're talking about things you learned in 2020-ish. 
And of course, as you know, so much has been happening. So the link is down below and the show notes are in the email. Check it out. But also, I'm really curious, which of these 12 things did you find the most surprising to learn? You know, I think for me, it, it may not be the most surprising, you know, in isolation, but the most surprising how critical it has been. And that would be, you know, the importance of leading out of the depth of your being and not the shallowness of your doing, especially through crisis. And, and what I mean by that is I have learned leading through 2020 that really some of the most critical work I did was uh, to build and uphold uh, rhythms and relationships that sustain a healthy and a whole life. And, and so for me in my context, when I say depth of being and your whole self, you know, it's been caring for my physical well-being, you know, taking rest and replenishment and sleep and recreation seriously, more seriously than I ever have in my life. Um, you know, thinking about my socio-emotional needs and learning how to deal with stress um, and emotions in healthy and productive ways, uh, rhythms to care for my mental health, um, you know, cognitively was a huge and, and actually quite surprising one this year. What information am I uh, absorbing and, and reading? Is it enriching? Is it growing me? Is it truth? <laughs> you know, can I trust it? Um, you know, relationally connecting with others, remembering the priorities in my life, which is you know my husband and my kids. Um, you know, and and I'm a Christian who leads in a faith based context, so spending time uh, praying in God's Word, and and I just found that without that, because I had moments, all kinds of moments, where I compromised these things. And when you do that, leading through crisis, that's when you're leading from a place of depletion or disconnect or distraction, which compromises your own well-being and the well-being and effectiveness of what you're aiming to do with those who follow you and who you lead. Okay. I did not expect you to drop so much gold all at the start of this. (laughs) Everybody, stop, push the 15-second skip back two or three times and listen to that nine or 10 times. We've talked about this with other people on the podcast and on the blog, and I'm going to summarize a few key points. What I heard there was you're doing too much right now. You're probably doing too much and you need to shift your paradigm as to what's really important. You didn't say those exact words, but does that make sense to you? That's exactly it, right? What are the most essential critical things that you need to prioritize so you are well and you are whole. Uh, and then that spills over. It gives you energy and focus and stamina and, and clarity and connection, right? To be able to really lead effectively. And it requires ruthless uh, planning and discipline mm. to say, what are the most important things? How do I get them in my calendar? Have people hold me accountable and live out those things first. You know, I, I don't want to talk about our company, but one th- one decision that I made is we, of course, had a few products we were going to launch in 2021. And one of the key members of our team has two young kids at home. And I made the decision. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're not going to work as much for now. We're not going to impact your salary or benefits or anything, but mm-hmm. you're just working less because you have things to do. And that means our company will not be as profitable this year and not achieve all the goals I set out. But like, that just made sense to me. What you just said, I'm like, yes, like, I wish I could have articulated it as eloquently as you just did. But that's the ethos. And if you're a leader today, and you have, you know, follow your people on social, if you see them posting, 
about being stressed and like worried, man, ask yourself, what's the real cost of what you're asking them to do? And I think that's what I heard from Allison as well. You, of course, have been leading in many years. Right now, you are president and CEO, but you have been in other positions, including you had a role of, of director of advocacy. But leadership, when you're the boss, it's different. What doesn't change, though, in leading, regardless of your title or position? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so a lot does change. Um, For sure, you wear more hats, you have more stakeholders, you're navigating more complexity. But, you know, my, my gut answer to you, Matthew, or what I hope to be true, is what doesn't change is me. Mm. Someone gave me a really good advice early on before I stepped into um, this specific role that I'm in. And it's, you know, make sure that you stay human and you stay humble on your leadership path. Mm. And, and to me, it means, you know, be Allison, be you, be your true authentic self, warts and all, as they say, because mm. uh, it's you who the board of directors in my context, you know, asked to step into this role. So don't lose your, your humanness and who you are and humility. Of course, I think what can so often happen. And, you know, I'm only a year into this, call me up and see how this goes in five years. But, <laughs> you know, I think so often your title or your authority uh, or the fact that people call you up to talk about leadership on podcasts, you know, can start to uh, impact your ego. And, you know, I think to get really real about what you know, what you don't know, to listen and learn and love and serve those around you as you lead them. And, you know, when I moved into this role, you know, I had a lot of goals and and choices and, and plans that I had put in place and, and mapped out. But a few key things that I wrote on a sticky note that stayed on my desk for a long time was communicate candidly, work collaboratively and interact compassionately. And it was just, you know, that's who I think I have been as a leader. Like, be transparent, be authentic, be candid, listen and learn and work with others. Don't allow yourself to get isolated to the degree that you can control that. And, and love, lavish love and generosity and service on those you lead because when they experience that and, you know, they trust you and they respect you and they feel cared for, um, A, they're going to stay longer. They're going to they're going to give more. They're going to be healthier in the process. Um, so I hope me that that those values that I long to hold, I don't change based on moving into a different position. It's worth repeating the sticky note one more time if you missed it the first way through. Communicate candidly, work collaboratively, and interact compassionately. There's a book, and I'm so bad with book titles, but there's a book about candor. Radical Candor. Radical Candor. Google Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Check it out. It's it's a great audio book, too, if you want to do it that way. If you want to dive deep into more what Allison just spoke about, then definitely check that book out. Um, to continue on that theme, I was speaking with another CEO that I work with and he shared with me, there's been nights when he's going to bed and he's just, you know, on the verge of tears because he's thinking about the employees that work for him and like, how is he going to make it work? His business was desperately impacted by COVID and there's nobody else at a peer level with him in his company. And you write about in your blog post, it's number 11 about the loneliness of leadership. Can you just share more about what that looks like and what that means? And especially people that are that report into somebody that are not the CEO or president or founder of their own company, 
I just want you to like listen to this, not because I want you to feel pity for your leader, but maybe uh, if you're interested in growing in empathy for them, really listen to this. And I want you to daydream about what Allison will share here. And also read the blog post. This is great. But Allison, can you share a bit more on that? Yeah. I mean, definitely it relates to being the buck stops with you person and uh, the weight and the burden that you uniquely carry that truly, no matter how much preparation I put into this transition, I did not fully understand until I stepped into it. And some of it relates to, as you said, you're you're not part of a first team in quite the same way. Mm. Uh, you know, I report to a board, so it can feel like I have 10 bosses, mm. though they remind me often they are one boss and one voice, um, you know, and, and I lead a team and I'm on it, but I lead it. And so I stand alone in both of those contexts. And, and someone said to me once, and it's a little bit negative, um, but I think it, it it clarifies in some ways. They said, you know, in its worst state, to be a leader is to be unappreciated and misunderstood. And I've come to realize what they mean by that is that people don't always appreciate or understand the choices you're making, the alternatives you're facing, and therefore the direction that you're going, because you inevitably have access to more or different information than they do. And without that, in the absence of the information or the conversations that you know and you're having, they're not always going to appreciate or understand. And so you can feel alone. You can be alone, actually, in many ways, too. But I think the other thing that happens, Matthew, is other people can build walls around you because of your title and the degrees of separation between them and you and the authority that you hold. And therefore, they're less likely to come to you or to be comfortable around you or to tell you what they really think because of those realities. And so it really requires you to be a wall breaker and, you know, to counteract what can so naturally happen by those around you. Man, this is a lot. This is really a lot to think about. And I, you know, for those of you listening at home, I actually prepare questions in advance. So I know what I should be asking next, but I'm finding myself just thinking and pausing and wanting to just like ruminate on that. So yeah. wow, Allison, thank you. That is amazing. So actually the, the question I had next, and I was thinking as you're talking about the different leaders who might be feeling lonely, and it's not only, of course, CEOs or founders, but maybe you're the board chair for a nonprofit, or maybe you lead like a neighborhood association group where even if it's informal, where people are looking at you to lead, you're probably feeling this way. You may not have articulated it and you may not be able to put your finger on it. But if what's been talked about right now is resonating with you, I asked Allison if she could maybe think of some tips to help leaders who are feeling that loneliness, Mm -hmm. uh, what they can do. So Allison, did you come up with some ideas or some thoughts you can share? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So on the personal level, uh, and this is uh, advice that came to me from one of my mentors just only about 18 months ago, I was saying to him, you know, I'm having, it was actually uh, my former pastor. I said, you know, it's really hard for me to feel connected and to feel a sense of community because I feel like there's so few people that truly understand just the uniqueness of my world and to which, you know, he eloquently and, uh, you know, in quite hilarious ways reminded me that in some ways I can be a unicorn, mm. um, you know, in not positive ways. But he said, Allison, you need to compartmentalize your life and go, okay, you're a mom. Who are the other moms in your life that you can connect with and talk about your kids? 
you know, church matters to you. So build relationships in your church, get in a small group and connect, you know, on that level. You need friends, just other women, you know, that you can connect with unrelated to, you know, if your moms or not, or you go to the same church, who are your friends? And connect with other first chair leaders, find other leaders in other organizations that you can have a heart to heart with. And in fact, you're, you're safe to do that because you're not in the same context. And so I've been really privileged in this season to build relationships with those who quite frankly would be seen as competitors, you know, in the not-for-profit sector that we've had virtual coffees. And um, I co-chair a group of charity executives uh, that are getting together every two months to connect and learn and support one another. Uh, And then I built a professional support system. So I have an executive coach uh, that I meet with every month. Uh, and another leader of a foundation that invests in not-for-profit leaders that I connect with regularly to be a formal sounding board uh, and voice into my life and into my leadership. So those things have been life-giving for me, but I had to compartmentalize and go, you know, there's not going to be one person or one group that's going to speak into the multifaceted areas of my life and my leadership. I need to really uh, parse that apart Uh, But the other thing I would say, you know, when I talked about what happens organizationally and and the walls that can be built, you know, I've tried, you know, a a variety of things in this last year. But one for the sake of time is uh, I started this two and a half years ago when I became the president elect in the organization. And I started something called Coffee with Allison. And we're not a huge organization. Uh, We're about 125 people. Um, But I started connecting every Friday, or at least once a week, sometimes different days, uh, for 90 minutes with four staff. And they would come into my office. We now gather virtually. And we would have a casual and a candid two-way conversation where I would work, uh, they would work with me, I would work with them to build shared relationship, shared understanding, to grow our knowledge by asking questions like, what do I not want to know that I probably should know? You know, what's that thing that if we could just fix organizationally, your life would be so much more enjoyable here. And and so those two-way conversations has helped a lot in breaking down those walls and barriers and being Allison to these people uh, and for them to feel safe to be real with me. Very cool. You know, I have a, two friends. One is a lead pastor at a church. One of them is an electrical contractor who owns his own company. And we three get together. Obviously, our worlds do not really intersect in terms of the type of business we do, but it's just so helpful to have other leaders that are kind of like the, the first chair that understand, kind of get what you're talking about. And there's a great book that I read. It's Leading from the Second Chair. And it speaks about how if you are like the number two in organization, like the COO or chief of staff or or general manager, it's a great resource. I'd recommend both people that are sitting in the first chair and the second chair, give it a read. Now, finally, uh, and I so appreciate your time and just how free you've been. I could wrap this up and sell it as a masterclass. But I know that for time, you and your husband were volunteering with your daughters at a homeless shelter. And I'm just really curious what you saw out of your two daughters that taught you a bit about leadership by looking at what they were doing and seeing and looking at it through their eyes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I want to preface this with, I don't claim to have this whole thing figured out. You know, I, I, people ask me a lot about, you know, what, how do you raise compassionate kids and what does it look like to live that out as a family? And we are on that journey like the rest of them. And so I've learned a lot. You know, one of the things that we talked about early on as a family, and my kids are still young, by the way, they are 11 and nine years old, uh, super fun, busy age. They're next to me in class as we speak, mm-hmm. hashtag uh, leading through pandemic. Um, you know, but we talked about we really wanted to kind of organically integrate um, compassionate activities into our life. And we try and do that in a, in a variety of ways, you know, focus on learning, focus on, you know, giving strategically and on the spot and, and focus on living, you know, what are the ways that we can go on less to give more or where can we serve practically together? Um, you know, how do we conserve water and help kids understand why that matters and how that plays out differently? And, you know, through it, I've been reminded that leadership is not about imparting your wisdom and knowledge and direction to those who follow you, but about cultivating an environment where the thoughts and ideas of others can come to fruition and really strengthen your own thinking and strengthen the decisions that you make. So certainly in our family, our kids continue to shape and challenge me every day asking questions, you know, mom, you talk about conserving water, but your lights are on all the time, you know, for example, what, what's mm-hmm. that all about? Or, uh, you know, we give in this way, but you know, what about these opportunities? How, how can we help in that? And to really involve them uh, and learn from them in the process. And I would be remiss not to say, Matthew, that, you know, in my role at Compassion Canada, it is the privilege of my life to be a child advocate specifically. And so I strongly believe and have learned a lot by being a parent and the need for us to see children and youth as agents of change in their own life and in the lives of those around them, you know, for them to have a seat at the table, for their voices to be heard and to be valued. And of course, as I implied, for them to play a critical role in the solutions that impact them and will frankly impact their generation. But again, the leadership learning is, you know, it's not about what you know and you think and your knowledge, but it's about the thoughts and ideas and collective wisdom and knowledge that really comes from the diverse team around you and from the voices often the voices that are marginalized and not often heard that you need to illuminate the most in your decision-making table. Before we close up, where are you? And I'm looking for a real practical thing. So like, where are you learning from? Is there a book on your desk? Is there a blog you're reading? Is there a podcast, a show you're listening to? People have heard what you had to say. You're like, I want more of whatever feeds her. Where can they turn to? Where can they check out? Yeah, I am a learner. So I do a lot of reading, uh, certainly podcasts, uh, lots of informal listening to other people. So things on my desk, I have Radical Candor on my desk. I have White Fragility on my desk. I have The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, which is about how to create movements and momentum. Yes, um, and I have necessary endings on my desk oh, by Dr. Henry Cloud. Henry Cloud, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. 
Yeah. Everybody read it now because you trust me, you have a necessary ending. Go read. Oh my gosh. So good. Yeah, no doubt. Let me name one more, by the way, in relation to the first question you asked. I have a book called God in My Everything. Mm. Uh, it may not be for all of your listeners, uh, but maybe it will, even if you're not someone who believes in the God that I believe in. Uh, but it talks a lot about our whole self and learning from ancient rhythms of people who cared for their whole self and lived life differently than us in ways that contributed to their well-being. So that's one I would recommend as well. I listen to a lot of different leadership podcasts. I follow HBR and those kinds of things. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I listen to a wide variety of stuff. Cool. Well, listen, uh, I, I, I'm kind of half thinking now you just start getting emails about people that listen to this that want to come to Coffee with Allison. So we might need to like do like a yearly coffee with Allison or something for, uh, for non-compassionate employees because that sounds amazing. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, Allison, I just wanted to say thank you, of course, but also there's like a whole bunch of people that made this happen today. The first is Cindy Craig, who like organized our calendars and, and worked with Andrew on your staff to coordinate time for us to talk. Jamie Hunter, he's going to put together a great blog post and all the social. The reason you probably know about this is because of Jamie's work. Naomi Grossman helped me get prepared. She works with me, but she's a, a journalist by training and helps me come up with great questions. And Austin Pomeroy is the audio editor. I actually sound much worse in real life, but Austin makes me sound uh, golden. So, man, I appreciate you, dude. Thank you so much for the work you put into this. And, of course, Allison, man, can we be neighbors? Like, I want to talk over our backyard fences. This is I could do this all day, but so thank you so much for uh, coming on and sharing um, your thoughts today. Oh, my pleasure, Matthew. It was really a joy to be with you. And thank you again uh, to your mom, but thank you to you for <laughs> your support of the work of Compassion and for inviting me into this conversation. All right, for more on this, head to leadingwithnice.com where we want to help you inspire others, build loyalty, and get results. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.